Welcome to NASA Storytellers, an ongoing informational podcast presented by the National Association of State Approving Agencies. You will hear the stories of the men and women who are charged with protecting and safeguarding the integrity of the GI Bill. In each episode, listeners will hear from different NASA members who will share the details of their personal journeys and what makes them so committed to the cause of protecting the GI Bill. Learn how their efforts have benefited so many people. Episode 10, an interview with Dr. Joseph Westcott, National Legislative Liaison for the National Association of State Approving Agencies. Your interviewer is Mike Criscolo of the Connecticut State Approving Agency. Okay, Storytellers X Project, we have uh, Dr. Joseph Westcott. Tell us a little about yourself, Mr. Westcott. Doctor? Delighted to, and, and thank you for this opportunity, Mike. Uh, um, I uh, am from a little town of Bolivia, North Carolina. They named the country after us, and I'm delighted to be a part of this project. I think uh, when I think about the role that veterans play in, play in our society, uh, I see them as a great resource. I don't think of myself, of course, but though I did spend some time in the Army, and I look forward to sharing some of that with you. You can tell from my accent, I'm from the South. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the South is, has a long tradition of supporting the military and, and uh, uh, sharing in, in its values and traditions. So, personally. So, uh, when you separated from service, what were some of the obstacles that you encountered in that transition to civilian life? Well, uh, and to talk a little bit about my service, mm -hmm. which I guess would be appropriate, uh, um, I went through the ROTC program at Wake Forest University mm -hmm. and uh, went through on a four-year ROTC scholarship. So uh, I'm a strong supporter of that program. I believe it, it produces um, you know, quality officers for our military, all branches. Um, and, and certainly as a part of that, uh, in, in my case, I was wondering about, you know, whether I, I wanted to be in the military. And I went and talked with my professor of military science because I knew there was an obligation after taking the scholarship and I had at that time a desire to go to law school and to pursue that career. Long story short, that professor at that time who was an engineer officer, I'll never forget him, tall fellow, played the violin, very articulate uh, individual. And he told me, he said, you know, Joe, there are three, you will find there are three uh, organizations that truly impact the lives of people. And he named them, the church and education and the military. So, uh, you know, if you want to impact this world for good, I would urge you to consider the military and, and staying a part of that. So uh, I certainly took to heart what he said and, and uh, finished my uh, four years at Wake, then did some grad school, and then joined the Army and was uh, went straight to Fort Jackson for training in the tank corps. We, we trained on tanks there uh, for OBC. Uh, did my training in at uh, not Fort Jackson, I'm sorry, at uh, Fort Knox, Kentucky. And then after that, uh, was posted to uh, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, where I served out the rest of my active tour uh, in uh, basic training. I then did seven years in the reserves, 
uh, as an, in infantry training, in, infantry one station unit training. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've got uh, three years active, seven in reserve. Uh, when I left the active service, since I was going into reserves, that there was not so much of a transition. Uh, I can tell you that certainly the way that we handled transition in those years, particularly for officers, was um, I, I would assume different than today. Um, I knew very little about education benefits. There weren't a lot of education benefits back then. Uh, you know, we were under the old uh, Vietnam era uh, education benefits, so that war predated me. Uh, and um, um, so, you know, you just sort of had to ferret out uh, what was available to you. Uh, and, and I did that. I used the GI Bill to um, complete my master's degree uh, at Wake Forest. Um, you know, challenges, certainly, uh, as I'm sure others have told you in this chair, uh, the military and the civilian world are two different places. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things we do today as state improvement agencies is we, we help, uh, you know, programs so veterans can use their educational benefits and we we now understand that it is a different world for veterans and we encourage institutions to provide the support mechanisms for them to be successful so um, there weren't many of those support mechanisms in place when I was in school uh, though it wasn't that long ago <laughs> but uh, uh, certainly I think we do a better job of that today were there individuals that you can recall or, or maybe uh, organizations within your community that you leaned on that got you to the point where you were successful? Oh, I can certainly share. Certainly there were. Uh, you know, I mentioned already the professor of military science going in and then coming out. You know, one of the things about veterans is there's an immediate connection, whether it's the language we share coming out of the military, you know, or uh, you know, something as simple as, as LDA or, you know, the acronyms that we share. Uh, and I think uh, the, the good news is that veterans do lean upon one another and do, do share with one another. Um, I can tell you that in my present job as, you know, the executive director of, of the State Approving Agency in North Carolina, the previous executive director was an Air Force colonel. And we connected, and it was because of that connection that I became engaged in state approving agency work. So mm -hmm. I, I think veterans naturally help one another and desire to help one another. And the beauty of today is we now have, uh, I would say, the major vast majority of civilians who who understand the importance of what veterans do and that connection. And they also support veterans. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, you know whether it was. Jim Little, who was that old Air Force fighter pilot who took me under his wing right. and, uh, uh, you know, got me into the position that I'm into now in some ways, or it's other uh, veterans, that's an important connection. So with your experience professionally and, of course, the work that you've done with our National Association, um, if you had to tell someone who is preparing to separate what would be that one thing that you could tell them or two things that you could tell them that they need to focus on to make their transition a successful one? Well, the very first thing I would tell them is, is you are not alone. That there is today 
uh, thankful to the good work of folks like yourself and, and others in our national association. There are tremendous support mechanisms for you. That didn't exist. I'm not crying about it. I did fine. Uh, but those mechanisms are in place and those organizations are in place. So I would say take advantage of those. You know, uh, um, you don't have to wonder about what the GI Bill covers anymore. Just go on a computer and, right. and put it in and there it all is. Um, you know, um, and not just for you, but for your family. There are support mechanisms. There, there are movements now to expand that support to family members and we're strong supporters of that mm -hmm. in Washington. So that's one thing, take advantage of the organization. The other thing that I would suggest that I think is important is, as I had in my life and others, find the mentor. Mm -hmm. Connect with that person who um, you respect and admire and has sh shared that experience or at least understands that experience. Doesn't have to be necessarily another veteran. It oftentimes will be. Right. as in the case of you know Colonel Jim Ruddle. But it may not be. Find that person and allow them to uh, be your support and someone who you can go to uh, to share what you're going through and they can offer you advice. That's fantastic. Just one last, uh, seeing that your, your agency is housed on a college campus, um, do you feel that the veterans that you have interaction with, are they enjoying the college experience? I would think, uh, I would say that most are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, in my role in, in North Carolina, I also serve as an adjunct professor at NC State. And, and I would certainly say that uh, NC State uh, goes the extra mile uh, to support the veterans on their campus. And so I think that most are. I would say that it's important for colleges to, if they do find out that someone's having difficulty, reach out to that veteran. Uh, you know, we've got special programs now like Green Zone training that make faculty and administrators more aware of the challenges that veterans see. And oh, by the way, they're not, you know, this is not a, broken population this isn't these aren't folks that need special help uh, you know the last thing uh, former infantry infantryman needs is special help he he will show up with his with his gear and get the job done but he may need some direction and some guidance and that's the role that I read you play for that. right well it sounds like you're doing your part in changing that perception and helping our veterans and dr. Westcott I appreciate your time and your perspective and, and the advice you provided. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very you much, much sir. Right. You've been listening to the NASA Storytellers Podcast, production of National Association of State Approving Agencies. For more information, please visit NASAA-VETSEducation.com. NASA Storytellers, their stories, our stories. Thanks for listening.